Amen. You may be seated. Love that last line. God has made a way. He will have the praise. Tell the world his name is Jesus. And I give him praise and thanks for bringing a few folks here today. Donnell. It is such a joy to have Donnell with us back again uh, this Sunday. The Lord is good. And also, it's really, really good to have Jim and Madeline with us. So thank you all for being here this morning. And we all come together uh, to celebrate the goodness and the might and the glory of Jesus Christ. Have you ever disappointed somebody? Now, it's pretty easy to think about those times when other people have disappointed us, right? But I don't want you to go that direction. I want you to go in the direction, have you ever disappointed someone? As a child, I was especially scared to disappoint my parents about this time of the year. I wanted to be on my best behavior. Uh, I didn't want anything to go awry. Um, you know, I, I do know there are oftentimes those times in my life where I disappoint other people because of my sin, because of my weakness or my failings. And I get those times. I suspect you do as well, right? You get the times. You've disappointed somebody because of what you've done. But there are other times that we disappoint people not for any true failing on our part, but because of what? The unrealistic and unmet expectations of others. Because of misunderstandings that truly aren't our fault. Or because others just don't know the full story, and maybe they shouldn't know the full story. They just don't know everything to make the sort of judgment that they're making in their disappointment with us. Do you know those times? You ever experienced that? Those are, those are tough cases. And as I read the gospel lesson this past week that we've had read, that Beard read for us, and that Seth walked the children through, I was struck by the words of Jesus. What did he say again? Now, when John heard uh, in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, said to Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Paul's there and if you want to go ahead and turn back to Matthew chapter 11, you can. We're going to do Matthew 11 and look a bit at Isaiah 35. When Paul's there, when I stop there, I, I, I get the feeling that Jesus, the cousin of Jesus, I mean the cousin of Jesus, John, was getting a bit exasperated with Jesus. He was getting a bit aggravated with his cousin. He was being, in a word, impatient. Don't you get that sense? Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another if John was impatient, I get it. Where was he? He's in prison. See, our circumstances can make us impatient. 
Oh boy, can our circumstances make us impatient. Here's another word for the children. Maybe husbands and fathers out there as well. Moms and wives tend to have very, very heavy loads the closer we get to Christmas. So try not to overly tax them. Can I get an amen, ladies? Now John had heard some things about his cousin Jesus, about what Jesus was doing. Remember, John's the one who who said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And after that, John hears news, he hears word about about Jesus. But it's as if he's saying, Cousin, get a move on it. Yes, there's buzz about Jesus that's reached Herod's dungeon. But there are no royal proclamations and trumpets blaring. No apocalyptic splendor. No shock and awe. And it seemed, no doubt, for John that time was slipping away. At least his time. Impatience. Doubt. I get that. But then the words of Jesus strike me again. Verse 4. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. If you were in Sunday school in the class that I had the privilege of being with this morning, you will remember that the judgment that fell upon Israel that Isaiah was told to go and proclaim in Isaiah chapter 6, was that the Israelites would become like the idols they revered. They would become blind. They would become deaf. They would have stone hearts. And notice what Jesus is saying. And Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. And the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the death hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And then notice verse 5 or 6. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Unmet expectations... Jesus wasn't acting like evidently the Messiah should act like, according to John, and most definitely according to so many of the Israelites. Jesus wasn't wasn't acting like that. But they didn't know the whole story. Disappointed with Jesus, but they didn't know the whole story. They didn't get this idea of two comings of Christ. They didn't quite get that the suffering servant equaled the king of glory. Impatience, disappointment, unmet expectations, and Jesus. And hear, hear the emotion in what he says. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. It's not disappointed 
with me. The God-man, Jesus knew what it meant to have people. Even the one who loved him, his cousin, the one who declared that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus knew what it meant to have those who didn't grasp the full story be disappointed with him. Offended by him. Yet what word does he send to John? He really sends a paraphrase of Isaiah. If you want to turn to Isaiah 35. He, he quotes Isaiah. He paraphrases Isaiah. He knows John. He knows John's going to get it. He says this. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. He's taking that, he's taking that from Isaiah. And Jesus knew John wouldn't miss the source. He knew John would get it. He, in essence, is saying, yes, John, I am the Messiah. I am the king, and where the king is, the kingdom has come. The messianic hour has arrived. And it's arrived in my ministry. See the, as, as Seth said, see the signs. See the signs. And yet as one wise preacher noted, even in that, Jesus' words are somewhat strange. Jesus' answer is somewhat strange. Yes, the blind received sight. Yes, the lame walked. The deaf heard. The lepers were cleansed. Wonderful stuff. National punishments for idolatry. Physical and spiritual blindness, lameness, deafness, and rot. Those, those national punishments were being what? They were being reversed. This is wonderful. This is marvelous. John, do you understand what's happening? John, do you, do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? This is great kingdom news. But, but, relatively speaking, it's just happening for a few folks. Have you ever thought about that? Did Jesus heal every blind man and open every physically blind person in his day? Did he open the ears of all who were deaf in Israel, physically? He didn't. He was, he discriminated, we might say. Did he heal all the lame? All the lepers? Or were there still some? There were still some. Likely there were still many. Not every poor Israelite heard Jesus' preaching, did they? No. Jesus, as the God-man, could be at one place at one time. He could preach in Galilee and you wouldn't hear him in Jerusalem. He could preach in Jerusalem you wouldn't hear him in Galilee. Did you ever notice that? Jesus says, here's the signs. 
And if, if I'm in John's shoes, I'm kind of wondering, okay, Jesus, yeah, there are a few. That's great. Great news, Jesus. But isn't there more? This isn't, Jesus, I know you've picked these words because you want me to think about Isaiah, and you're wanting me to think about Isaiah 35, but this isn't the grand vision of Isaiah 35, is it? Isn't there more, Jesus? Ever thought that in your life? Isn't there more, Jesus? This, this, this is not all I was hoping for. Or in the words of you two, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I need more. I need more, Jesus, and I need it yesterday. Remember Mr. Philip Brooks? What's the trouble, Mr. Brooks? The trouble is I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Have you ever done volunteer work? Served in a soup kitchen. Served in a homeless shelter. Manned a clothing closet. Went in and did prison ministry. Went to a nursing home on visits, to the hospital on visits. Remember my grandfather, Baptist minister, every Monday morning he was in the hospital. And he walked the entire aisles, all the, all the wings, knocked on every door, week after week after week. I've been off gleaning in fields for the hungry. Or maybe across the street counseling young and scared girls who were pregnant who come in and don't know what to do. If you've ever been involved in any sort of ministry like that, my suspicion is there's been great joy in that, but also great frustration because you look and see the line's still long. I've barely made a dent. There's such great need, but this, we're just helping this one or this one. Or have you shared and shared and shared and shared your faith with a family member or a co-worker or a neighbor only to be ignored? or belittled, or rejected, while tears of hurt and love roll down your cheeks. In prison, in the face of vast and great and persistent suffering, in the rejection of your Telling the gospel in love and in deed and word. 
It's easy to get impatient. And yes, it's easy to begin to doubt it all. Isn't there more, Jesus? Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news. Preach to them and blessed is the one who's not disappointed or offended by me. Dear ones, we need, like John, to hear that sometimes our expectations are all wrong. And that in this obscure and humble and mocked and rejected first coming of the Messiah, the decisive moment has come. A small number did come to faith. A small number were healed. Those small, these were signs, all signs of the kingdom. And you, brothers and sisters, with your proclamations and the tears that oftentimes flow when you're rejected or belittled or ignored, and your deeds of love, even when the line just keeps on going and you just can't ever seem to make a big dent. Your words, your deeds, and this ever-growing army of believers and their words and their deeds throughout the world, with all that, we have more and more and more signs of the kingdom. The question is, do we have eyes to see and ears to hear? If you do, wait. Wait with patience, with patient love and devotion. Wait and witness. Wait and love. Wait and serve. Wait and proclaim and herald Jesus. Yes, even if you're rejected, and your eyes are filled with tears. Wait, because a great and a majestic and world-encompassing crescendo will come as the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world will return. And all of Isaiah 35 will come to fruition. Hear it. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the, the feeble knee. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. 
Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness, and the streams and the desert and the burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, and the haunts of the jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. As we wait like Isaiah, as we wait like John, let's not be offended by the slowness, the holy slowness of our God. Let's make a simple acknowledgement. It's pretty simple. He's far more wise than we are. He's far more gracious than we are. His timetable's perfect. Yours isn't. Mine isn't. His is. It might help you out to remember this. He's been so patient with you. Can I get an amen? He has been so patient with us. Shall we not be patient with Him? Shall we not be patient with others? Great joy is coming. Patience and joy. The harvest is coming. Patience and joy. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our Lord, how glorious and majestic is your name. Like William of Carey of old, like Adam Myron Judson, like those who labored in Western Africa and in New Zealand and in Tahiti and throughout the world who labored and labored and labored year after year. Help us to faithfully labor, to wait and to witness, to wait and to witness with words of gospel and deeds of gospel love, knowing that your timetable is perfect, knowing that you are patient, 
and you are patient that you might bring to yourself a mighty people pouring in to the new promised land. And until that great and glorious day when Christ returns and all the nations shall sing, enable us to wait with patience and anticipate the great joy that is to come. Amen.